Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. Habs Unfiltered is featured on The Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio. This podcast brings you honest and in-depth hockey discussion and entertainment. Our hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudvay, are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 160. I am your host, Blaine Pudvang. I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Good morning. Matt Smith sends his regards, but he could not be here as he is working yet again. I, I think that's an excuse. I, I don't know. I mean, there's no way the Air Force works that much. I think he's doing modeling shoots for his OnlyFans page. <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah. Get like a new leopard skin uh, G string or something, and he's the banana hammock shot. Yeah, yeah. That's the only. It's the perfect explanation for it. It's more plausible than the Air Force working. Yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, because we know better. Well, unless his Air Force is different than our Air Force down around here. I mean. Because our Air Force doesn't do much of anything. No, they just hitch rides and oh, oh, uh, oh, workups. No, gotta go. Yeah. Oh well, no, we have to rest twelve hours. You can't do anything with for because we have if we we flew yesterday, so now we have to have twelve hours of rest. Yeah. For every hour and a half we fly in the air, we need twelve hours of rest, and we flew for three hours. So that's 24 hours. So it's a full day. So leave us alone. We're playing, you know, Metal Gear in the, uh, the ADR. Yeah. Call of Duty. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely, he's definitely resting. So <laughs> we're with, we're Saint Mastith <clears throat> on this episode, but we'll get through if you don't mind looking at our ugly mugs. Yeah, I get it. All right, so and uh, this episode, yeah. So for this episode, we're going to cover a little bit about uh, some stuff that's happened with the Canadians during their off time. So talk a little bit about uh, Bob Gainey, Jonathan Drouin, 
Jeff Petrie's injury, um, fan impacts, and we'll dive a little bit into a preview of the Vegas series. So let's just jump right in and start with Bob Gainey visited the players. So in the last couple of days, Gainey's been sighted in and around the Bell Center as the players practice and train. And he was, uh, it was reported that he spoke to the, the team and gave them some motivational talk. So what's your take on that? Uh, well, considering people say the Montreal Canadiens shun their alumni and don't want them to have anything to do with the team all the time, uh, we, that just proves that's a huge farce. Um, I think it's good. I think it's good for especially the young players to hear from someone who has probably more Stanley Cup experience than anyone in playing or anyone involved with the main organization right now uh, to come in and not, and he's had the experience at every level, coaching, GM, player, uh, to come in and talk and let them know the experiences and, uh, you know, the, the things they need to do to keep, uh, to keep going. Um, I think it's a, I mean, I know I would love to have, you know, when I play lacrosse, the old veterans from the teams would come out and chat with us and see, and you, you like, like hearing the old stories that got you motivated and uh, you know, what they did to, to, to get through rough times. And I mean, not that Montreal's having really rough times right now in the playoffs, they have the best record in the playoffs at eight and three going into the third round. Um, but they're, they're also going to play a highly motivated Vegas team. So it, it's good to, uh, have someone there, uh, just a different voice in the room to help keep you motivated to, uh, to move forward. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way the team has been playing, it's, I think it's good to get someone like Ganey coming in to chat with them. Um, the style that the Canadians are playing right now are essentially Bob Ganey style. This was Bob Ganey as a player, tight checking, opportunistic with the, with some goals and shut down hockey. So this is, this is Bob Gainey. And I agree bringing in the alumni is a, it does help. It's a big deal when as a player, you have some, some older guys show up and kind of talk about the good old days kind of thing for not too long, but mostly to um, give them a view of how to prepare. And that seems to be what the, what the case is here. So I mean, they've had Ivan Conroyer, they've had Réjean Houl, they've had Guy Lafleur all show up. Now it's Bob Gainey. It's immeasurable. When you see that many Stanley Cup rings walk into a room or attend games, it motivates the guys. It's a touchstone to the Canadians' past. Let's them know, hey, look at what these guys are now legends here. It's a touchstone. If I can do something great here, I can become a legend like them. I... So, <clears throat> yeah, we don't hear you. No, yeah, I was just saying exactly. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> and now we don't hear you. There I am. <laughs> so moving on from that, um, Jonathan Drouin has been in contact with the team as well. Dominic yeah. Ducharme mentioned it during a press conference that uh, that uh, Drouin has been texting the team and talking to the team, uh, sending encouragement. So I think that's I think that's a good sign that he is he's doing well. Uh, yeah, I think 
<clears throat> with Drew in, it's uh, he needed a step away from hockey. Um, again, we we don't know the reason why. We're speculating. Anytime we bring up why Drew in is out, it's purely speculation because no one knows. The team's not releasing it, and it's no one's business. Um, and it's good. It's good that he's still involved with the team. It's good the team's still keeping him involved with them. Uh, from what I hear, things go both ways. Players text him all the time. He's texting the coaching staff and the team all the time and friends on the team. And, you know, uh, and uh, nothing but the best for Druin. This is, I think, the best thing for him. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, uh, it keeps him involved, keeps him happy, keeps the team happy. And I'm sure the players and his and his teammates want him involved with their run, and uh, to just to let him know that he was part of it. Yeah, you know, I I kind of wish he wasn't going through the problems that he is because he would be a very big difference maker in a series that's coming up with Vegas. Oh, for sure. Like, I just picture him. Nothing against Toffoli, but him on a line with Suzuki and Caulfield, I think, would just be just with the chemistry Caulfield he had with Suzuki last season in the bubble, and then this, uh, the the uh, uh, Suzuki has <clears throat> with Caulfield right now. You put that all together, you may have a and again, nothing against Toffoli. Not that Toffoli's not working out on that line for sure, but I just think that would be a uh, um be a very good line to, uh, or, to have together. Or on a line with uh, Kotkaniemi and Anderson. Oh, for sure, yeah. That, you know, you have someone who can make plays for one guy who's a speed mer- merchant and another yeah. one who likes to shoot. So, you know, he would be a difference maker for sure. But more importantly, he's he's working on what he needs to work on in his own personal life. We're not oh, exactly. going to assume anything. We're just going to wish him the best. Um the uh, our podcast Habs Unfiltered has a has a Drouin jersey in the stands for every home game for the Montreal Canadiens. So that's our way of sending him our our support and our best wishes. Um, and speaking of the stands, the Montreal Canadiens have petitioned the Quebec Health Authority, uh, requesting more fans be allowed to go to games. So we see Vegas with the full capacity. They're they're at about 17, 18,000 people at the MGM center, whatever it's called. And yeah, the place is, uh, place is loud. It's rocking. They're, they're having fun. They're stealing flags from other teams, uh, uh, fan bases and starting fights, you know, it's typical drunken Vegas stuff, but I, I don't know. The atmosphere at the bell center is a different animal seeing, uh, seeing those, 2,500 uh, feel like 25,000, swear to God. Well, what would 10,000 feel like? 100,000. We're just going to add that zero. <laughs> swear to God. <laughs> swear to God. Uh, it is a different animal. Uh, you got to look at places like Vegas and that. And Vegas, most of Vegas' hockey fans are not people who live in Vegas. Uh, they're They're people that come from somewhere else because vegas is a hotbed for vacationers um now i mean i don't know that for sure that's just me spitballing like i don't have the stats in front of me saying that but uh i know montreal when they go to vegas they have a lot of montreal canadian fans in the stands um in a, in a regular season game i don't think it'll be the same here but um yeah and i don't know if vegas fan if the vegas team can 
I, I'm told Vegas is a great building. It's a great fan atmosphere. It's a great whatever, but uh, there's just something about the Bell Center when it got fans in it that's just totally different. Like it's maybe it's the nostalgia, the history, the uh, the culture. I don't know what it is, but uh, in 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 Quebec or Montreal, uh, hockey is a is a is a is a religion. It's not just a game that you watch, and I think that's what the difference. I think that's what the difference is. Yeah, I think the difference is the fans, the passion of the fans that are in the stands, as opposed to just the loudness and the the happiness of the fans. Because Montreal fans, they feel a loss. They don't just lose and be oh no. They feel it. It, it it's you know it, it hurts them deep, as we can tell by how they react on Twitter with every <laughs> loss. Um, and the win is a, is not just a win for the team; it's a win for the entire province. So, um, and I think a lot of, especially English speaking fans, don't understand that, uh, especially when we talk about language and we talk about like that article that came out about there's more French players on on Vegas and there is Montreal. And I think, I mean, that's a bit extreme on the extreme end, but I think what it is is it, where it's so entrenched in the culture of uh quebecois and uh and 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 the and the people of quebec that that stuff's important to some of them you know like that because it's part of their culture and they feel if we lose the quebec presence on the team the quebecois presence on the team we lose the culture of the team um and i think that's the big difference between the fan bases and why 2500 in the bell center sounds just as loud as eighteen thousand in whatever Vegas's place is called. Um, it's because it's, it comes from deep within the the fan and it's not just, yay, my team won. It's we won. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, there's a definite attachment. Yes. Yeah. There, there's 109 years or 111 years of attachment compared to four. So right. it, that makes sense. But speaking of the language part, they, uh, this article from uh, the Gazette comes out and it's just tooting horns about there's more Quebecois in Ve- with the Vegas Knights than with the Canadians. It's kind of wrong and, though, because there's not. Well, there is. There's one extra. But isn't there four Quebecois and Canadians? There's four, but they got five. So. Oh, okay. Um, I thought I thought <laughs> Vegas only had four. My bad. Yeah, whatever. There's more. <laughs> They've got more. Oh God. Anyway, they they pulled the same crap when uh, the Jets series began because they had a couple and then that uh that narrative got swept away pretty quick it's funny when the team doesn't win a game it's all about the quebecois not being there and when they win they hush right up there's even a a radio announcer in quebec who used to be a politician who has wished the canadians ill will they want the team to lose in a that. crushing fashion so that people can realize that this team can't win without francophones. And to him, I say, fuck you. On a pas besoin des francophones l'équipe pour gagner. La manière qu'on gagne, je m'en crisse du vient. So that's me saying, fuck you. It's... I like what I said before about the passion and the culture and all that kind of stuff. But what do you want? Do you want a deep-rooted Francophone culture within the team? Meaning you have 
over 50% uh, francophone players on your team, or do you want a winning team? Exactly. You look at when the Quebec Nordiques were in the league, and that was their main focus, was to create that, uh, that connection with the, the language and the culture of the province. And that's fine. They had a good team for, a while, uh, for quite some time, but they've, what did they win? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely. They didn't win anything until they started drafting European and English players. And I'm not taking away from Francophone players when I say no, this. No, but you look at their list of their, their top players in their history while they were with the NHL. None of them are French. No, none. Even in, even in the 80s, three of their top players were Finnish or Swedish, Stadsen brothers. This, no, they're Czechs. Checks, yes, sorry, checks. They're Stassi, Marion, so Anton. You look at you look at their their focus on language, culture, that connection. Yeah. They won sweet nothing, and then what happened in um, true nationalist pride manner? The team separated and went somewhere else, and then won two Stanley Cups, and then won Stanley Cups by not focusing on where a player was born, but on what skills they have. So I, as a Francophone, I understand the connection with how the team was founded. It was to market hockey to the Francophones in the local area. That's why they're named Les Canadiens. That's what they named the, the settlers of the, uh, the area at the, uh, you know, when new France was founded, but that was 111 years ago. There is a long line of Francophone stars stretching all, you know, going all the way back to the beginning of the, the franchise. Yet we're now in 2021. There's a salary cap. There's an, there's an entry draft. There's all kinds of rules and regulations that make it very difficult for you to focus on just bringing in local talent. Deal with the new rules. Sure, bring in some francophones when you can. But let's let's be honest. When they traded for a big name francophone player, what did they do? They vilified him. Ran him out of town. Jonathan Drouin got vilified because they traded away a Russian left-handed defenseman. They fell in love with that guy as soon as he left. Oh, look at look at Sergeyev. Look how good he is. And yes, he's a good hockey player. And yes, he would help this team right now. There is no doubt about it. But don't tell me that you you want francophones brought in and then complain how they're brought in and then vilify them if they don't become superstars. Not just that, but at the time of the trade, nobody, nobody was against this trade. When they traded, just played four games in the NHL, Sugarchev. Very few people for Druin, very few people looked at this and said, oh, my God, what a horrible, horrible trade. Some people said, I don't like the fact we're trading away a need for a uh, for for someone we don't need. Like we didn't need Druin to be a center. Right. And Druin wasn't a center, you know, someone but no one, especially in Quebec, no one was saying this was a bad trade. Because they were getting that francophone player who had the potential to become a superstar. And if you really want to look at the Drouin situation, and I wrote an article about this a while back, uh, it was not Drew. It's not Drouin's fault. First of all, he got traded, or who he got traded for. Second of all, Bergevin brought him in to play center, 
a position number one center, a position that drew in was not prepared to play. And that was quite apparent as the, the season went on. So drew in coming to Quebec after that trade was set up to fail. And let's be honest through his time with the Canadians, it hasn't been bad. He is, he's matched his career highs in points. He has been every, uh, every year, except for the year he was injured. He, he went up in points. He, he progressed. <laughs> Yeah, and, and he's a an, an advanced stats darling with his zone exits and entries, which is exactly how the team is built for transition play. All this talk of, well, we could really use Mete because he's so great. Duran was the same type player. Was But he actually played more. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he actually put points on the board. Unlike and Mete. I can honestly say that you watch you watch social media during a game when he was playing, and he would be having a monster game putting up three points, four points, coming, you know, playing a, an excellent 200-foot game, you would not hear a single peep out of people. But the next this, game. The next game, he'd make, a, he'd make a, a giveaway or he didn't quite make it back on defense on time, and then, boom, all over him like a cheap suit. Especially if he didn't have any points. What I used to hate would he would actually have a good game, a good 200-foot game, but not get any points, and the first person people complain about like I during the regular season, I do a a hot and not for every yeah. period. Who was hot this period? Who was not? A couple of times I put Druin in the hot because he was he never get any points, but he was playing good. He was playing a good hockey game. And the responses I would get, I don't know why you get Druin is hot. Well, he's playing a good game. Oh man, did you, didn't you see when he did this? That was three games ago. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this is based on this period that I just watched. Uh. Or that article I put out, and you have a recent, more recent article on Drew, the Drew Ann situation, but the article I put out about how he was set up to, you know, it's not his fault that his tenure in Montreal has gone the way it is. Um, uh, people were just, and you could tell they didn't even, they just read the headline, didn't even read the article. People were just, yep. oh, Drew Ann's terrible. Uh, it was the worst trade ever. Uh, he, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd point out, yeah, but. He did this and he did this. He, he, in the off season, he worked with Dom Ducharme with video to help his 200 foot game. So he can be a better all around player. Like, and now you're telling me he's lazy. Now you're telling me he's, he doesn't care. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you have no idea. Right. So anyway. So all we can do is wish Jonathan Droy the absolute best. Yeah. Um, we have some, some contacts in there. So we, we have an idea of what's going on, but we're not talking about that. We're just giving Droy our, our best wishes and hoping that he is feeling better and ready for next season, no matter where he plays. Yeah. So moving on from Droy and the bullshit language crap, <laughs> let's, uh, let's jump right into the uh, upcoming third round semifinal series with the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, and no surprise to me, nobody has given the Montreal Canadiens a chance whatsoever. The Knights are too strong. They are too fast. They are too great. The Canadians are going to be crushed. Sweep in three, it's over. Does this sound familiar? I mean, this is the first round and the second round all over again. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not saying the Canadians are definitely winning this series, but come on, 
you watch this team that's played the way they have in these playoffs and you give them zero chance? If you look at the tail of the tape, which was put out by NHL uh, last night, uh, Vegas is 8-5, and five, Canadians are 8-3. and three. Vegas has 40 goals for, 31 against, to Montreal's 28-24. Power play goes to the Canadians, they're 18.8, to Vegas is 14.3. PK goes to the Canadians, 90.3, to Vegas is 71.4. Now, Vegas has scored 40 goals, but their leading score only has 11 points. That's William Carlson. Tyler Toffoli has 10. Now, I know what everyone's going to say. Oh, well, Montreal was playing against the North Division, which is the weakest division. And, you know, that bullshit. Okay. Well, explain to me why the Leafs were going to mop, Leafs and the Jets were going to mop the floor with the Canadians if they were so weak. Explain exactly. this to me. Explain this narrative. At, then look at the West Division. You tell me that, they're, uh, that the North Division is so weak. Then you take a look at the West Division and they, Vegas. Yeah, they got 40 wins, but they also beat up on some really weak competition in the LA Kings, the Arizona Coyotes, the Anaheim Ducks, and the San Jose Sharks. You you think the Canadians could probably, I don't know, finish fourth in a division ahead of these uh, these guys in an 18 division? I think so. So don't hand me this North division was weak bullshit. Each division had teams that he beat up on, and the West was no different. And, And another narrative I found interesting was, uh, oh, Montreal can never beat Colorado Vegas. Look how they're played. They're so wide open. They're so this. All right. How wide open are they going to play when Montreal sets their five-man defense against them? Is it going to be boring hockey? Yes. Do I care? No, as long as we win. Um, You know, like, the defense between Colorado and Vegas was very poor in those games. It was exciting games. It was exciting games because they were scoring goals all over the place. But... Montreal has Carey Price. Uh, Vegas has Marc-Andre Fleury, who has a habit of choking against the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal Canadiens, I think, are 5-3 and three against Vegas in their all-time yeah, matchup or something effect. like that. Um, but all through Fleury's career, he does not. He only has an 889 save percentage against the Montreal Canadiens in his career, playoffs and regular season. So, uh, I mean, I'm I'm really hoping that that Mark Andre Fleury shows up in this series. Yeah, if he does, I mean, that that'll be helpful. <laughs> and I'm not taking away from Mark Andre Fleury. I'm just saying, in history dictates against the Canadians, he doesn't play very well. That's all. Um, but it's going to come down to if Montreal's five-man defensive system can uh, hold back Vegas's offense, and that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah. Um, so this is the thing: the, the the Golden Knights and the Canadians are built similarly. <clears throat> I know. I know. Um, a lot of people try to use the the St. Louis Blues as the comparable. They're saying that the Canadians try to build themselves up to be like the Blues, but you look at how these two teams are built and it's hard not to say that Vegas was the blueprint for Bergevin. Cause when he started Vegas had just gotten into the league. So when he started this retool and he's gone with the same kind of defense, the same kind of forward group, you know, overall um, and, and goaltending wise, I mean, yeah, they've got a star goaltender and a good backup. So it's the same kind of build. Now, Vegas, uh, I stop me if you've heard this before, 
they're, they're much faster than the Canadians and they play with a lot more speed. Uh, so did Toronto. The, you know, now there, there's this narrative that Vegas's top nine is just too big and too deep for the Canadians to keep up with. So did Winnipeg. Well, if you look at Toronto, they have more skilled players than what Vegas has. Vegas doesn't have a superstar per se. They no, they, they of... score by committee, and that's how Correct. the Canadians do it as well. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess Mark Stone would be their best player. Mark Stone. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I would say um, so. And I mean, you know, don't don't. I'm not, and I'm not taking away from Vegas. They got Mark Stone. They got Carlson. They got Pacioretty. They got. Uh, Peter Angelo back on the on defense, Flurry and Nets, the, the Theodore on defense, Jay Theodore. And it's not that they they don't have a bad team. They don't have, but like the Montreal Canadiens, they don't have a superstar team. They don't have a they don't have a Marner or a Matthews or a Stamkos or a Kucherov or or something like that. They have a a like you said, they score by committee. They have a top nine that's pretty solid both ways up and down the ice. Uh, but you look at Montreal's roster and you look at what they've done so far through these playoffs against these really shitty teams that they've been playing that were supposed to blow them out of the water. Um, you know, pick your poison. <laughs> are they supposed to blow Montreal out of the water? Or are they some of the shittiest teams in the NHL? Which is it? You can't say it's one when Montreal's not winning and the other when Montreal wins. So now the Canadians, I mean, you look at Vegas and you look at the two teams that the Canadians have played against so far, they've had star centers to play against the Canadians. <clears throat> this one, uh, Vegas has Carlson and Stevenson. Yep. I mean, they're good, but they're not, they're not, you know, world beaters by any stretch. And Stevenson was kind of, um, this is his best season in his career. And he is centering the top line with, Pacioretty and Stone. So clearly yeah. the big weapons on that top line are the wing, not the center. For sure. For sure. Which I mean, which does cause a problem for Deno's line. Cause if they're going to match up, Deno is not going to be going up center to center. They're going to have to shut down stone because he is the linchpin of that line. Yeah, I mean, you have Marsha show down the center too, but. Um, now nah, he, he switches back and forth, but he's mostly yeah. a wing. Mostly wing because he plays on Carlson's wing. Yeah. So I'm. Mean, yeah. That's correct. Yeah. So if you look at, I'm just looking at the rocker, the roster from uh, Hockey Reference, but uh, they haven't listed us to see. Um, but if you look at their top scores, Stone 61 points, Patrick 51. Then it was a drop. Marshall showed a 44, and then it just after that it just point wise it just drops. Um, but uh, you're absolutely right. Stone's the guy they got to shut down. Um, and really, it's the center, yeah, your centers are pretty, I mean, after Carlson and Stevenson, you pretty much got Nozick and Wall. So. But Wab plays there, and they got this, they got uh, got a rookie playing on the fourth line. Sounds familiar again, yeah. right? So, <clears throat> but it's that, that's, that top six is still really good. Um, but that top line of, uh, with stone and patch that's the one that Deno is going to be lined up against. And that's, they're going to have to find a way to shut down that line offensively, but here's the kicker. That line is an excellent two-way line as well. Yep. They're a possession line. 
just like Deneau's line is. <clears throat> and we talked about possession lines that they've gone up against. And in the first round, Deneau's line essentially shut down Matthews's offense, but Matthews had a 63% expected goals for. What they did was made it possible for Price to make the saves. Yeah. In the second round, they shut down Wheeler, Ehlers, and Connor. And there it was mostly Deneau's line doing the shutting down, keeping them away from Price. To, to be effective in this round, they're going to have to find a way to kind of meld those two together. You keep If they can keep Pacioretty and Stone to the outside, away from the front of the net, They'll get their chances, but Price will be able to see it, and that's how they can shut that line down. If they, I truly believe they play the way they did against Winnipeg. Montreal should do okay in this series. Personally, I, I truly believe that. Yeah, I, I'm expecting a, a good series. I'm expecting a, a really good series. I'm not. Uh, it's you know, you look at uh, the Athletic or Sportsnet or it's six or seven games. Yeah, for for a lot of the people, yeah, but quite a few are throwing four, five game series and Vegas dominating and everything. I don't see it that way. I see a six or seven game series and I do yeah. see a path for the Canadians to win. Yeah. It's not, I, a, I, it's not I totally guaranteed. Agree. No, I totally agree. I, I think the Canadians with the way they're playing, the energy they have, the attitude they're taking into each, each stage, like Montreal's taking the attitude that we believe we can do this. Um, we're not going to get over cocky about it. We're not going to get, you know what I mean? We're just going to go out and do our job. And we feel if we do our job, we'll win these hockey games. And that's the attitude you got to take, especially when you know you're the underdog every round. Like, even if Montreal gets past Vegas, it's not going to matter who they play in the Stanley Cup. It's going to be the Islanders. But it's not going to matter who they play in the Stanley Cup. They're going to be the underdog. Uh, there are the underdog and they know this. They know we're the underdog no matter what we do. We could sweep Vegas, go to the final, and everyone's going to say we're going to get walked all over by whoever's there, right? And they relish in that, and they're like, no, we'll take it. We want people to underestimate us, right, because we know what we can do. Um, this team was built for the playoffs. Sorry, uh, Toronto guys that Matt Bedard and I argued with at the first of the season, but we were right. You were wrong. Um this team was built for the playoffs and it's showing. Yeah. And um, DeBoer, the head coach for the Golden Knights, was calling an old friend in uh, Paul Maurice to get a heads up on just exactly how the Canadians play. And I hope he took all the notes from Paul Maurice because if he does everything Paul Maurice did, thank you. But uh, I thought a that was a good coach. A lot of people complained about that. I thought that was a good idea. I'd do the same thing. If I was well, a yeah. coach going against a team in the next round, I'd call the team that just lost them and say, Hey, what did you do wrong? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. where do you think you went wrong? So I don't make the same mistake. Basically is what I do. I mean, Paul Maurice would just say, I had no idea what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't adjust. They did this. And I was just like, let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't work. Um, DeBoer's clearly doing video work and he's just oh, trying to get more information. He's, he's coaching. He's doing yeah. exactly what he's supposed to do. Exactly. And the Canadians aren't without that as well, because they have Corey Perry 
in the dressing room, who was part of the Dallas Stars last year, who beat Vegas in the playoffs. Yeah. So you have someone in the room who beat this team last year. So he this this Vegas team is not that different. They added Peter Angelo, and that's that's pretty well, much that's the about difference. it. I was just, I was just going to say that, yeah. Um, so they don't play any different. So you got Perry, who knows what it took to beat them last time. And uh, Dallas wasn't supposed to beat them last year. No. So uh, it's going to be an interesting series. I mean, it's pretty much the oldest team in the NHL versus the newest team in the NHL. There's lots of storylines. I tweeted about Pacioretty versus the Habs, uh, Mark Stone's microfracture versus the Habs, uh, you know, old versus new, Price versus Flurry, Habs the underdogs again. Everyone's saying they're going to get destroyed, especially if they're a Leafs fan. Leafs fans change their colors a lot. They went from the Leafs to the Jets to the, to the Knights. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. Every what, round, it's always the, what, it's always different. And oh, the, the the Jets are going to destroy Montreal. No, Vegas is going to destroy them. They don't have a goddamn chance. We'll nope. see. So, well, maybe. Yeah, so maybe there's even know. there's even websites out there that are now selling Knights gear as Canada's team. Like, come on. Uh, Is it just because the Canadians had the CN Tower lit up in Habs colors or that the mayor of the city in Toronto had to put up a flag or that your premier was wearing Habs colors? I mean, you know, you've got an inferiority complex. We, we can tell. And Toronto fans, I hate to tell you, but the CN Tower is not owned by Toronto. It's a federally owned building. So... Yep. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You but can't. The city uh, owns City Hall, and uh, yes, yes. But that was a bet. They made a bet. That's so right. same thing would have happened in Montreal if uh, the premier and Montreal would have lost. The premier and the mayor of Montreal would have had to do all the same thing. Only Toronto. So, I'm kind of disappointed though that uh, Montreal's mayor didn't send a. It was a three one. It was three one T-shirt to uh, <laughs> to Tory for him to wear when he's putting up the Habs flag. Well, I mean, and that kills the whole. I mean, now they're starting to talk about, well, who's Montreal going to take out this series? They're going to take out Stone or Pacioretty this series. And, and listen, but, first of all, they didn't take Tavares out. It, it was a freak accident. They Second didn't take of all, Shifley, Shifley, out. Shifley took himself out. Because he's an idiot. Yeah, short, clean hit. All right, you want to say the hit was clean? The charge going to the hit was not. So there you go. Um, but, uh, and Toronto fans who say, we would have won with Tavares, and you said, I think, last week, all right, then, well, if Tavares is the main ingredient for you to win a hockey series, when you've already won three games without him, uh, then you better get rid of Matthews because he's just hogging all the ice time that Tavares should be getting. Really? Well, I mean, yeah, he's their centerpiece, so why are you taking away weapons for him? Get rid yeah. of Matthews and get some weapons for Tavares. Let's not talk about the one goal combined between Matthews and Marner in a seven-game series. Let's not discuss that. <laughs> or the fact that the Islanders have won more playoff series without Tavares than with. Now, I mean, anyway, I, I, yeah. Back to the Vegas <laughs> series. So I've I watch a lot of Western uh, Western Western hockey. Um, I stay up late. I don't sleep a lot. Um, so I enjoy watching the late night games. And Vegas is in there quite a bit. So, you know, me watching one of my favorite players on for the Kings, I tend to watch a lot of Vegas games as well. 
but I did watch this series they had against Colorado and they played a system similar to what the Canadians play. So Vegas is already going into the series playing the way that the Canadians are going to want to play. So they're, the Canadians are going to be able to dictate the pace they want to dictate. They'll be able to slow down the pace of the game, which favors the Canadians. But the difference between the previous series and this one, that the Canadians are going to have to have a hard, or they're going to have a hard time in generating turnovers and launching their, their transition game. Vegas doesn't give away the puck a lot. What they do, if they don't have a play, they will dump it in. And when they do, they're going to send their big, heavy wingers. This is where their, their team is not based on centers, like most teams are. They're based on their wings. And they have the big, heavy wingers that come in. And I'm not saying Pacioretty, because we all know what kind of game he plays. He's big, but he doesn't play heavy. Mark Stone, on the other hand, sure as hell does. So they're going to go in, tuck uh, Stone. They're going to throw pucks in deep. They're going to go at the defense. So they're not going to give away a lot of pucks at the blue line, creating these quick turnarounds and turnovers that the Canadians use for transition game. What they're going to need is Carey Price at the top of his game, which he is right now, uh, providing outlets for his own defense. So they're going to be throwing pucks in. Price will be able to set the pucks up, lay them out, pass them off to his defenseman. The Canadians are going to have to find a way to minimize the amount of time that these forwards are forechecking their own, uh, our defense. So the Canadians' defense, being that they're a little bit older, a little bit slower than Vegas's, they're going to have to f- use price. But that's the same game plan that the Canadians are going to be using on Vegas's defense. And Colorado didn't do that. Colorado liked to hold on to the puck. They loved possession. Whereas the Canadians, just like Vegas, if they don't see a play, it's dump in deep and cycle. This is where the Montreal's fourth line is really going to be a factor, in my opinion. So this, this left-wing lock system that the Canadians use, which we've it's not the trap. It's a version of it. You funnel players to one side or the other. We'll be, we'll be better. It's better suited to play against Vegas. So this is, re- this is the reason why I'm giving the Canadians a a, a really good chance of winning this series. I, I'll admit I didn't watch a lot of Vegas games. I've watched the last three against Colorado. Um, and you're right. They do play from what I've seen. They play a very similar style to Montreal, a little faster, I think than Montreal, yeah. their, their games. Yeah. And I think that's because their defense is faster than Mo- yes. Montreal's is. Uh, their defense is very involved with the play. Um and that's fine. Montreal started getting that way with Winnipeg. They got their defense involved and it worked for them. Uh, but I think you're going to see two teams. It's going to be like a rock hitting a hard place. It's going to be two teams trying to do the exact same thing at each end of the ice, like even in the neutral zone. And it'll be interesting to see how it tilts. If it tilts to a high scoring affair, it's probably going to go Vegas's way. If it tilts to a defensive standoff, it's probably going to go Montreal's way. So uh, it's going to be a very, I think this is the most closest series we're going to see. And that's why I say it's going to go six or seven games either way. Um, I agree. I agree. uh, Because this is probably two teams that match up the closest. Uh, I mean, people are are saying, oh, they're going to wipe the floor with them. I don't think any team's going to wipe the floor with any team because 
it's kind of like a doppelganger fighting itself. Um, it's two very similar teams. Vegas is a little bit better here. Montreal's a little bit better here, but you know, it, it's just, yeah. Like Winnipeg, Toronto. Sure. I, I, when everyone said Toronto was going to beat Montreal, I had no, I was like, you're probably right. Cause you look at Toronto's team and you look at Montreal and how he came in and, and then when Montreal went down three, one, that they shifted into a new gear and they haven't took their, as I like this head's been saying the last few days, they haven't took their foot off the gas and that's what they have to do with Vegas. They have to ride the momentum. Let's hope this almost a week off, what, four days off, five days off. It's going to be, uh, I think it's five or six at the most. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, hopefully that doesn't slow them down in this, pressure that they had going the momentum doesn't slow their momentum down i think if montreal rides that momentum plays their game sticks to their game plan i think they'll they'll be successful yeah and this is where the the petrie injury comes into play with these five six days off you're hoping that the injury to petrie's fingers heals up enough where he can play game one because you need him in the lineup yeah you got a guy like gustafson playing on your third pair he's going to get lit up if he has to play more than seven, eight minutes a game. I know he's played well enough in the limited time that he's had, but against a team like Vegas, he will get blown apart. Um, Desharm said the other day that it didn't look like Petrie would be available for game. No, he mentioned maybe, maybe. Yeah. He didn't commit that he wasn't going to be in either. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But this is where the rest you're hoping pays off. The, The guys clearly have had a very difficult season. Very heavy, a very heavy season. Um, a lot of games in a short amount of time. So a little bit of break could help. At this, but on the same token, when you when you've got what seven games in a row, it could break up that momentum. It could. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what Montreal Canadiens a team shows up. Are they going to be the one that we've watched in the last seven games, or are they going to be the one that we saw in the first four against Toronto? It'll be interesting. I'm hoping with the momentum and the way they're handling the, the, the success, I'm hoping it'll be the same team we saw the last seven games. Um, and if that's the case, then uh, I think it's going to be a tough time for Vegas to win this series if that's the case. Yeah. And with Deno matching up against Stone's line, <clears throat> now you have, <clears throat> excuse me, now you have the Carlson. Uh, the Carlson line with Marcia. So that's the one that Suzuki is probably going to be lined up against. Um, and offensively production wise, Vegas is a top six heavy with its, its production. If they can shut down the stone line and the Suzuki line can outproduce the Carlson line, then it falls on how the bottom six fare. And I think the Canadians have an edge there because they have Kotkaniemi there versus Urwa. They have Anderson down there who I'm going to be honest is a lot like Tuck, except Tuck is producing. I don't know what's going on with Anderson. I scored that first goal in Toronto game one yeah. and he hasn't done anything since mind you, he's been hitting and he's been playing a good 200 foot game, but offensively he's done absolutely nothing. Yeah. So we need a little bit of production out of him. Yeah. But the, there's a player that I've been, I've been keeping an eye on all playoffs who I feel really should be stepping up his offensive game. 
and that's that's Gallagher. Yeah, he scored a couple goals recently, and that's great. But he needs we need more of that. Yep. Montreal has a couple question marks on the offensive side on their team yep. right now. Anderson, Cottingemi hasn't done anything since his overtime goal. Um, or has he? Did he get a goal after that? Anderson? No. No, Cottingemi. Yeah, he scored one at Winnipeg, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So but they need it, offense even, from him too. Yeah, we need offense from him. Uh, Cole Caulfield could pop a, a couple goals. I'm not going to dig on Cole Caulfield because he's been playing great with Suzuki and that. His passing. And he's producing. He's creating he's producing. offense. Uh but he's there to score goals. So we, 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 I'd like to yeah. see a couple goals from him. I think I'd just like to see a couple goals from him just because I want to see a couple goals from Cole Caulfield. <laughs> but, uh, this is nothing against his game. Um, but uh, you're right. Gallagher's got to step it up. Uh, not really step it up because, he again, these are guys that are playing good off the puck. These are guys that are doing their job. They're just not getting the puck in the net. So it's not really a matter of – they're not. I mean, Anderson's a different monkey. Anderson, there's something with. I don't know if he's hurt or, or what it is, but he's. I don't know. He's not even rushing the same as what he was in the regular season. There's something there. There's got to yeah. be some reason. But it, regardless, regardless of what's going on, they need they need a little bit more, a little bit more offensive production because the Canadians, yeah. uh, offensively, are creating chances, but they're not burying as many. So their expected goals are higher than their actual goals. And they need that to kind of even out. So if they can, if they can score at the rate of their expected goals, we'll see a bump of about a goal per game, which with Carey Price in net and the defense playing as solid as they have all playoffs, I think that could be the difference in a series. Well, I mean, you have to admit too, Campbell and Halle Buck played very good series against Montreal. Oh, so, so it's not all on, Montreal's offense not producing and it has to do with the fact that the two goalies they faced played well against them as well and made some key saves especially Hellybuck. So and we have to assume that Flurry will be just up to task. Yeah. We'll have to assume that. I hope he's the Flurry that plays against Montreal in the past, but yeah, uh, you never know. Or maybe they'll just put Leonard in. Maybe they're so confident that they're going to beat Montreal, they'll have Leonard in for the first two games. Uh, you know, if uh, if the if the output that Leonard had in the first game against Colorado happens, I'm all for it. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, maybe they'll do that. And it's nothing against Leonard. I like Leonard. I think he's a good goalie. But uh, yeah, he got um, he got hung out to dry in that game. Oh, oh, big time! And maybe they'll just say, you know what, we're gonna beat these guys. Everyone says we're gonna beat them. Let's just let's put the the silver the silver horses, whatever they're called, and Henderson uh, Silver Knights in, and uh, see what happens. Yeah, sure. Uh, have at her. Clearly the Canadians are playing with house money at this point. They, yeah. they were never expected to make it this far nope. by and, and the majority. So. I mean, it. even you and I predicted them out in the first round. So uh, um, I, uh, you know what, win or lose, I'm just happy with the results of the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, 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 I'm, you know what, I have a good feeling. I have a good feeling about this team this year. Yeah. I mean, this is a, it's a better team than they're giving credit for. And, and that's neither here nor there. So, huh. Where's I going this? Yeah. So the Canadians, I mean, being the underdog is that's their bread and butter in these playoffs. I mean, yeah, I can go with that. I can go with that. The underdogs, I do see a six or seven game series. 
I do see a path for the Canadians to win. Um, Whether they win or not at this point, who cares? They've made it this far. They've made, uh, they've made people upset, especially in Toronto and Winnipeg. And I can live with that. Although I would love to see them beat Winnipeg, uh, beat Vegas too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think we're pretty much, we've covered, covered the start of a Vegas preview. We're going to have another Vegas preview show on Monday. So do you have any final thoughts? No, uh, not really. Just what I said, uh, I know come Monday, though, we're going to have someone on the show who thinks Montreal can beat Vegas. So, Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Is this someone who said that Montreal had no chance in hell of beating Toronto? Correct. Who could that be? It's a mystery. No, seriously, we've got to narrow it down because there were so many people that said that. This is a person who all season pretty much had Montreal's back. They're pretty positive yeah. towards Montreal. At the first of the season, they actually, after Montreal played their 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 series, he actually predicted Montreal to win the division. He's just so. What you're saying is he's just out there pushing people's buttons. <laughs> could be, could be. I think he's just basing it on the play of the team at that time. I think is what he's doing. There you go. So, which is logical. Which is a logical way to base what all you think kinds of button pushing. Oh, ooh button pushing so so we don't know we're not going to reveal who it is no but whoever it is is doing a lot of button pushing so and, um uh, yeah i don't uh i don't know we'll save our predictions for the next episode i think i pretty much gave mine just yeah it's vague yes but it's how i feel so we're gonna wait for for matt to come on the show yeah and our special guests, and then we'll throw out some predictions. So my thought, a final thought here will be to thank everyone for listening. Remember that uh, use the codes unfiltered20 if you want to save 10% at builtbar.com for probably the best tasting protein bars you'll ever find. Uh, unfiltered20 will save you 20% off at East Coast Lifestyle on any of your purchase and unfiltered 20 will also save you 35% off the fees of any ticket purchase. Let's say, I don't know, a Montreal Canadians game, either in Vegas or in Montreal concerts, anything. It'll save you 35% off the fees when you purchase through SeatGiant.ca. And finally, we, uh, we at Habs Unfiltered have been giving $25 for every win to the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundation. So we we hope that you can provide some help there. If all it is is just you sharing our tweets about us providing that, uh, then that's fine. If you can, if you can donate, even better. And uh, finally, I want to thank you for listening. And remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms will get you the gains you need. Bergy Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better character so you can get the gains you need. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Arms today. Not a real problem, mate. They make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use... If you're healthy, if you want it loyalty, buy a dog.
do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.